Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati, brought to you by lisatarmati.com. Hi, everyone. This is Lisa Tarmati here on Pushing the Limits. Thank you very, very much for joining me once again on our podcast. We love to have you uh, join us. Um, And today I have a special guest all the way from Connecticut in the USA. And this is a, a guy who has been a part of our world now for about a year and a half, I think, and uh, is actually uh, works with us at Running Hot and is our VP of everything, I call him. Um, <laughs> he's head of all our technical department, if you like, um, and he's the one that makes everything run smoothly in the background because Neil and I definitely don't know what the hell we're doing. So <laughs> welcome to the show, Vin Famularo. Vin, how are you doing? Oh. Oh, thanks, Lisa. Great. Good morning to you. Thanks for having me. And uh, always love talking with you every week. And um, yeah, it's wow. It's you're right. Almost a little more than a year. I've been part of the Running yeah. Hot family, and uh, pretty excited. And have been following you for even a little time before that. And I'm sure we can get into that a little yeah. bit. So uh, excited to be on. I love your podcast, and you know me. I'm huge on the personal development and stuff. So. Uh, you yeah, excited to be on today. You definitely are. <laughs> so one of the reasons I wanted to bring Vin on the show, we had uh, one of our other athletes, and we're going to do a few athletes over the next uh, few months, um, one of our other athletes, Matt Scrafton from New Zealand, who just did uh, his first 100K. and we, we made a bit of a, a case study out of, out of um, him, and we did a bit of a coaching session. So we're going to do something similar today. We're going to share Vin's story um, and his background and how he's just got to um, complete some very, very big races. Um, so Vin came to us, well, uh, he found us on the net, as you do, uh, joined us, joined up, and then we actually connected over all the technical stuff and we ended up getting him on board with our company. But Vin has, has got an incredible mindset, and this is what I really want to delve into today because he has he has a relentlessly positive attitude that I just cannot believe sometimes. Um, and his mindset really, really shines through. So I want to dig in today a little bit into Vin's history and his uh, running successes that he's had, but also how he's got there because he's had a couple of massive obstacles to overcome on the way. So Vin, I want you to start by telling us a little bit you know, about you, your family, where you're from. Um, and how you got into running and what you've been doing. Sure. Thanks, Lisa. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm from Trumbull, Connecticut, born and raised, and I've lived a lot of different places, but that's always been home base. And right now I'm talking to you in my house, which is uh, about a mile away from my parents' house and where I grew up. So we have our entire family in our uh, neck of the woods here, and I have, I'm one of five siblings. So I have uh, an older sister, an older brother, and two younger twin sisters. Wow. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I, I'm the only runner in the family, and I always tease people about that because every family needs one of us crazy <laughs> endurance athletes or runners. <laughs> and uh, kind of interestingly, I, I got into running when I was about 10, 9 or 10 years old because basketball was my first love and big sport at the time. And I remember telling my dad, we used to go vacation up in the Berkshires, and I really wanted to improve my speed and my vertical jump for basketball. Now, I'm not the tallest person, but man, I could jump, jump like a kangaroo. And <laughs> when I was like a young kid, I was like, okay, I want to be even better. So I, I forget how I came up with the idea. I think I saw it in a movie, and 
I was like, Dad, I need to get ankle weights and strap them to my, my feet, and then I can run up and down the mountain when we go on vacation. <laughs> and most parents would tell you, you're crazy, you know, you're, and especially to a 9- or 10-year-old that wanted to do this. And my dad was like, sure, no problem, and I'll follow you in the car. So I would do this two-mile two loop around the mountain um, with ankle weights strapped to my feet, and my dad would follow me in the car. And to this day, he still takes credit of not just the, the genetics as an athlete, but that he strapped ankle weights on my feet. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I'll tell you, that worked excellent. I got good at basketball, helped my overall fitness. And just as a young kid to take that initiative, now that I think about it, I'm like, wow, what kind of nine-year-old wants to be like, yeah, I want to go run two miles up the mountain with ankle weights on my feet. Yeah. Especially or- nowadays. It's like, no, I'll probably just play video games or hang out with my friends, right? But yeah. um, so that really led into, I really started to get serious about running in my high school career. Um, I was uh, still playing basketball, and then I needed a sport to do in the fall. So I first played soccer, and then in the spring ran track, and the track coach was like, hey, congratulations, you're going to run year-round. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure uh, a lot of runners have probably been through that if they were a multi-sport athlete. And I was like, wait, you mean like run for fun, like distance? and for another sport? What the hell? <laughs> and – you know, just like most runners, I fell in love with it, um, and uh, it was really at that time I learned, unlike most sports where it's like you fight for playing time or you fight for to be on a team, this was the first sport I was part of. Not only if, if you weren't as good, you got more playing time, so to say, yeah. but uh, it really had a direct correlation to the hard work that you put in yes. that you get out. And I was always a really hard worker, and I was, you know, went on to captain all of my teams in high school as well as ran in college and grad school. So that was um, really the base of running. And and then fast forward, you know, till about a year and a half ago when I found running hot, I started getting to ultra running, which is ironic because I remember in college reading Runner's World and having your seeing your buddy Dean Carnassus on the cover of a magazine, and I'm like, man, this guy's nuts. Why would anybody want to do that? Yeah, you're doing it. <laughs> and I think at the time I had just run my first marathon, and I was probably like 18 years old. Wow. And ran the ran the Boston Marathon just wow. for fun and for training, and I was like, gosh, that was terrible. Why would anybody? <laughs> and at the time I was. Wow. <laughs> so, so it's funny how life, you know, it kind of sh- points you in certain directions. And I'm very grateful I found you guys and ultra running um, for a lot of reasons. But that's kind of the, the brief just, background to my story there. Yeah, right. That, that, that sort of, I can't believe you did a marathon at 18 years old. Okay. <laughs> you definitely got a, a nutty gene in you. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's definitely come out of late. So in the last couple of years, so I think it was like two and a half years ago, um, then you had a, a, a really bad accident that yeah. you were currently in training. Can you go into a, into this story a little bit? Yeah, so I've told myself after college and a little bit after college, I'm like, gosh, I'm never going to run a marathon ever again. I'll just be a weekend warrior and have fun doing some 5Ks and half marathons and stuff. And then – 
it all kind of ebbs and flows. So I eventually recut the marathon bug and thought it'd be a great idea to sign up again for a marathon. So I signed up for the Bend, Oregon marathon. And that was right around my birthday, which is in April. So I was pretty excited and I was like, I'm going to start training for it and started to really get back into running shape because I went for about a year or two where, you know, my career took precedence over. Yeah. I was still running, but not, you know, training as much as I should be. And, you know, those rest days would turn into week long rest days instead, yeah. of, <laughs> instead of hitting the gym when you should be. Uh, so. I was snowboarding in February and I went off a mogul and landed really hard. It was super icy. I'll, I'll never forget. It was President's Day weekend. Um, it was a Monday, which was our holiday. And I didn't realize at the time, but when I fell back on my back on the mogul, I couldn't barely get up and I couldn't move my right leg at all. So I got went to the mountain doctor in ER. And then when I got home, went to the ER and it turns out I broke my back. Um, and of course, like a typical runner, I, I said, you know, I just want to know, well, doc, how, how long is my recovery time? Because I have a race in nine weeks. <laughs> so my marathon was nine weeks away. And he looked at me walk. like, you don't understand. You probably won't be walking right for about a year or two. And you'll, you might not ever run again. Wow. And my response to that was, I remember kind of just looking at him and going, well, what if I drop to the half marathon instead of the marathon? And, and the doctor just looked at me like I had two heads and says, that's not going to happen. Uh, and I, so I left the doctor that day and I was like, no, that's going to happen. I'm, I'm going to that race. Uh, <laughs> I'll compromise. I'll do a half, but I'm going. I don't know how. I'm still in the wheelchair at this stage, but I'll be there. So I went and got a second opinion, and of course that doctor kind of said something similar, and uh, I decided to take it into my own hands and say, nope, I can heal myself. I'll do lots of stretching, lots of rehab for my back, um, lots of exercises, and a lot of mindset. So I started to look into alternative therapies, and it's kind of like if you want different results, you have to do something extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I heard about this book called Self-Mastery Through Conscious Auto-Suggestion by, um, you know, it's from the 1920s, Lisa, and it was um, this author, Emile Coué. And basically, it's just all the power of your mind and the power of belief and, and saying every day and every way I'm getting better and better. Yep. And I listened to that book. I got the audio version at the time religiously for like, two hours at night when I went to bed and two hours in the morning. And I did that for weeks Wow! And between the rehab that I was doing, just stretching strength training and um, as well as constantly feeding that belief system yep. in my mind through that book, I was able to not just be walking back to normal, but the pain was totally gone. And I was, uh, went on to run that half marathon nine weeks after hurting my back. <laughs> Grant, granted it was the slowest half marathon I had ever run in my life but it was also Doesn't the matter. most fun because I was just so grateful to be running and um, and it was also a lot of fun for me because it was made me be really grateful for the running and my body that I always kind of took for granted and in, my running career up to that point was always just about hit, trying to hit PRs you know yeah, yeah. Um, so this was really eye-opening just to be grateful to my slow time, yeah, was a PR for someone else. And just to be able to be out there 
and to have something I love that I've been doing my pretty much my whole life be kind of almost ripped away. Um, what part of your back was damaged? Uh, was it so you, your spinal cord was obviously intact, or like your your right leg yeah, not working properly? I I broke my sacrum and my L L four and L five. Yeah. Um, and so it was those just leading all the way, it felt like all the way from my buttocks up through my yep. my lower back. Um, so, so that was. So it took a lot of rehab as well as the mindset stuff. So you were really focused on both of those aspects for that nine weeks to get back to that half marathon. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and now you know I still take that as a priority. I go to my chiropractor regularly to keep taking care of that back and I'm fully healed now you know thankfully but uh really so you it, that also taught me them yeah you you really believe that I mean and I and I certainly believe this too um and that's funny that that book that you mentioned that self-mastery what is it self-mastery yeah um conscious auto suggestion or auto suggestion through uh self-mastery through right. conscious auto suggestion sorry and this is very Let me say that again <laughs> self mastery through conscious auto suggestion. Okay. Self -mastery <laughs> now this is really important because this was written in the 1920s and, and like the science is now catching up to what was then probably very woo woo and not, not uh, validated, but it was you know, obviously a great book already. Um, and now science is really validating like with work with Dr. Joe Dispenza and um, Dr. Bruce Lipton, who I talk about constantly on the show. Sure. Yeah talking about the you know the power of what you believe and what you put in your head it's not just um you know you what you well you are you're willing something to happen and you actually influence your cells and your 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 body to heal itself and, and i yeah. do think that this is a very and this is not an easy thing to do it's not like well i've just decided today to believe in, in this it's gonna yeah happen. yeah this is something that you have to really reprogram that subconscious mind don't you um and this has helped you like moving forward from this, were you like, you're really into personal development, just like me. Yeah, absolutely. Yourself. You're always reading every thing under the sun. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm even rereading your book right now, you know, running hot, which is a great one. I would recommend it to anyone listening. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we're republishing that guy soon. So running hot does actually, uh, Neil and I are um, adding a whole lot to that book and re, re um, what do you call it? Yeah. Republishing it. Uh, putting out a second edition, hopefully in time for the release of my other book, Relentless, which comes out in March as well. So a bit of a plug there for myself. Um, so watch out for that one. <coughs> but back to the personal development, it's really, really um, so important that you do the work before you need it. Um, yeah. That you actually have got the tools when you, when you hit a crisis. So. Yeah. And, you know, a great example of that, at least still, I was thinking of it recently and, uh, I just encountered right before we got on the call, I was talking about this woman I met at my, I just finished my first hundred miler, as you know, and thanks to your and, and Neil's awesome coaching through running hot. And, you know, I could talk for hours about that. And, uh, <laughs> We're going to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, this woman uh, that was at my race, she was pacing a friend of mine who was a, an adaptive athlete, uh, visually impaired. And, it was my first encounter with her and I got to see her again this weekend and she was like, Vin, you're so positive. And the whole time I remember at one point you were, we were sitting around the campfire. I wasn't sitting, but I came in quick 
said hi, and then went back out because it was a looped course. And yep. she goes, man, you look like you were you could be asleep walking up, but you're still smiling, and you're still, nope, I got to just keep moving forward. Nice. And that, you know, and I, she asked me if I'm always like that. And I'm like, yeah, for, generally I am, but, you know, I take a lot of deliberate practice to work on my mindset. I'm constantly yeah. reading books. I'm constantly listening to podcasts such as yours. I remember the start of that race, someone was complaining about the weather. <laughs> you know, it was, it was 30 freezing. degrees Fahrenheit, and then it got down to like 26 degrees Fahrenheit. About zero um, here, yep. Yeah, and all, I just remember thinking, wow, I got to get, get away from this guy because they're not going to last. You can't go into a race like that with that kind of mindset. And sure enough, that person only lasted for about five hours in a 30-hour race. Yeah. Um, because you can't look at it. You've you got to surround yourself with people who are positive and who believe that you can get there and, and, and avoid like the plague. Like you, yeah, yeah. anybody who's going to tell you you can't do something or it's impossible yeah. or complain about everything every five minutes because yeah. that is going to sap all of your energy. So you had the, the, the wherewithal at that race to go, all right, I'm going to remove myself from this. Yeah. <laughs> I need to protect myself, and that's protecting yourself. You know, that's protecting your mindset, and we need to all do this in our daily lives: is protect our mindset from people who will drain us, who are naysayers, who are negative, who tell us we can't do things. Like even exactly. like, you know, the doctor who said that you won't ever, you know, you probably won't run again, and you certainly won't be running a marathon, you know, or a half marathon in, in nine weeks. So, so this, and this is what I've noticed with you. Is you have, I mean, you and I both do a hell of a lot of personal development stuff. We're constantly yeah, yeah. trying to better our stuff. In fact, I think I'm a personal development junkie. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I still have a, a ways to go, I think, in comparison to you as far as the positivity that you bring on an on a absolute daily basis. Now, a couple of months ago, Vin was doing um, aiming for a 100-miler at the Vermont 100-mile race. Um, yep. over there. Now I want to go into this one because this is a race that didn't go according to plan and you'd spend a freaking long time going hard out training, sacrificing uh, a hell of a lot to be at this race. Can you walk us through that that race and what happened and then sure. how you approached that? Yeah, that was exciting and I was, I was super pumped for that race. That was my first 100 mile attempt and going into that, you know, I'd run a handful of 50 milers and 50 Ks and I'm still a very much newbie ultra runner. But, uh, thanks to you and, and Neil, I got on that starting line. My fitness was on point. My mindset was on point, but it was, uh, Lisa, as you know, it was one of the hottest days of the year in about a yeah. decade here mm -hmm. back home. So in Vermont, it, the average temperature, including in the morning and at night, was about 98 degrees wow. Fahrenheit, which I don't know the conversion to Celsius on your end, but about 30 then it got up to 115 degrees during oh, the day. <laughs> and, like and again, five or something. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and I was like, I trained for that, I, you know, based on your recommendations and made sure I trained in the sun and the heat. And uh, my family was there. So I was really excited and I was fundraising for Vermont Adaptive. So I was pumped. I got bib number seven through fundraising, which is my lucky number. So I was like, approach that starting line. And I, 
I always make a joke. I'm like, the hardest part of a race is over once you show up to the starting line, yep. right? Yep. And You've done the hard work. People, some people look at me like I'm crazy, and some people laugh. But the race is supposed to be fun for me. As long as you like, you put in all the hard work, and if you can wake up and not hit that snooze button, and you know, some of these ultras start at like yeah. these weird hours. <laughs> And once you get rid of all that pre-race anxiety, it's like, boom, okay, let's go. And it was so hot that day, I experienced something I would never even expect to be a race obstacle. So I started to get really bad trench foot. Yeah. Um, just from sweating into my shoes so much. It's so hot. And I, I changed my socks multiple times. I changed my shoes. You know, I put all the stuff that you're supposed to put on your feet, but <laughs> it was just so hot. And I remember I got to mile 50, which was the first point I saw my family and my mom's a nurse. And going into the race, I told them, hey, guys, make sure just no matter what, tell me to keep going. And you're doing yeah. great, so no negativity. And my family's not negative, so I didn't have to tell them. But they're, they're also the type, if I was like, oh, I'm a little tired, they'd be like, oh, we're proud of you. You can sit yeah, down. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just, give you permission so, to fail if you if Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I – I got to mile 50, and at that point, that had been the furthest I'd ever run, and I felt great, and I was holding back a lot because it was really hot, but I knew my, my foot was getting aggravated, so I took my shoe off, and I knew I needed to bandage up my foot, and my mom's face just went white. She just looked, because my foot looked so bad uh, from the trench foot, and she was such a good sport. She didn't say anything. And she was like, sweetie, I'm so proud of you. And what do you want to eat? And she just, but I could tell by the look on her face as a mom and a nurse, she was like, oh gosh. <laughs> so my family bandaged me up. I had a little snack and I kept going. And, uh, you know, I felt great. The fitness was still there. And everyone was like, hey, if your first hundred miler, especially on this course, if you could still run at mile 70, you're in good shape. Very good shape, yeah. So I got to mile 70, and I still had plenty of time for cutoffs, and I was like, yeah, okay, let's see if I can still run comfortably, and I could. But then the next two miles, it went downhill at parts where it should have been runnable at least. That I was basically the mile before that. I was like, okay, I can still run like a 930 mile, which obviously I wasn't doing the whole race, but yeah. I can still comfortably run that pace. Um, then – my gait got so messed up from the trench foot and my yep. shin got so swollen like a golf ball that yep. I then limped a mile that should have been runnable in about 25 minutes. Yeah. And then the next mile took me about 34 minutes as wow. fast as One I can mile. go, which, yep. which is so frustrating because all I could think was like, wow, you spent all this time and I, you know, I spent all year training and just visualizing the finish line mm. of that race. Mm. And I started to do the math in my head. I go, okay, worst case scenario, if I just limp for the rest of the race at 25 minutes per mile or 30 minutes per mile, and that put me at yeah. farther than the cutoff, which was like, you know, I yeah. did the runner math in my head, which normally I can't do math, but yeah. then it became all of a sudden you're like a math genius, and you're like, that puts me at like 35 hours and 12 seconds, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I remember – dropping out and I told one of the volunteers and he said man but you still got you've got plenty of time for the cutoffs and I go well that last two miles basically took me an hour and he was like "Ooh, yeah and I knew at that point just and if there wasn't a time cutoff me I probably would have kept going yeah. 
but I just knew I eventually would have missed some of those cutoffs. So that was hard, but I was still very proud of myself because that was the furthest I'd ever gone and run. And this is the, the, the thing that, that got me about that story because, I mean, any, you know, things can go wrong in, in a race. And, yes, you could have carried on and just got to the, the time limit and then, and then been shut down by the race people, organisers. And um, there was a hell of a, a fallout on that race. So many, many people didn't finish that race, which they would normally finish. And there's always reasons and there's always um, things that can happen. And we, can't, we cannot control all the variables. What we can control is the preparation we do, which you, you had done. You've done the work, yeah. you've done the mindset stuff, you've done the visualization, and then shit happened, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you, you got to, what was it, 80 mile, 81 or something, and then you, you, had, you, you had to pull out of the race. Now, for most people that, that I've worked with, that would have just sent them into the doldrums. Like, they would have been hitting the deck hard. Once they've actually got over the pain and the physical thing, then comes in the, uh, I failed, I didn't make it, I set this huge goal, and the disappointment is huge. It's yeah. huge because you've, you've given your heart and soul and all the time that you could have been spending with your friends and your family and all of yeah, that yeah. sacrifice has gone to nothing, apparently nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you and I know that that's not the case. And with you, and I was expecting, like a couple of days later, we got on the, on the phone or on the, on the call, and I was expecting to have to give you a really good pep talk to pull you, you know, pull you out of the doldrums. And oh, yeah. thanks, coach. <laughs> but I didn't need to. I was like, you, you got on the phone. Yeah, it was. Yeah, this happened. That happened. But oh, I was still great, and it was awesome. And I, and I was just like, holy hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think I described it when people were like, Finn, how's the race? And I made it to mile seventy-two that day, and I go, oh my gosh, it was such an epic day. And even though I didn't hit my goal, I knew, like, I know going in that race for next year, like, my fitness was there, and I felt yeah. awesome, and, uh, you know, based, thanks to our training program, and just yeah, my mindset was there, <laughs> and and then I understood, and I kind of laughed a little, because I'm like, oh, this is why all these ultra runners describe the races, and like, oh, I've had this many starts, and this many finishes, yeah, yeah. And, and I was just laughing about just you meet all these interesting people during the day that you're just cheering on and supporting and you might run with some people for half a mile or you might just pass them at an aid station or, you know, I shared with some, even some folks like 10 or 15 miles or even more throughout the course of the day. And, uh, it was just so it, emotional. It's like taking your whole lifetime of emotions and, compressing those into one day yep. like all the ups and downs and the laughs and you know and the friendships and the family and so I think that's why I came out of it really positively because I even though didn't hit my mileage goal to the finish I still had all these awesome experiences and uh, and a lot of us failed and we failed hard you know it's like I left it all out there and yep I'm really happy it's not like I was I finished but like half you know you hadn't, you hadn't given it a girl didn't give it my all I definitely gave it my all and I definitely was uh, you know out there and when I I remember coming to the decision to stop and I at first I was like oh man I is because I'm not like that I'm not a quitter at all but I was like nope I'm good with this I made it this far <laughs> and yeah. and 
and that's hard to do, you know, Lisa, and yeah. I was huge. And the next day I took it as a sign as the proper decision. Cause we were in line for lunch and I met this nice woman who had had trench foot and like kept pushing through it. And to this day, she says she still has like nerve damage. Yeah, yeah. From it. Yep. And I just took that as a sign from like a higher being to go, yeah, hey, Vin, you made the right decision yep. so you can still come back stronger. Exactly. Uh, you know, we've got to think about this like um, we're not we're not in a war and we don't yeah. need to do permanent damage to ourselves. If, we, if you were a soldier and you got trench foot, you had to carry on. Yeah. There wasn't yeah. any option. It was that or die. We have the luxury of not being in a silly situation like that and, and a terrible mm -hmm. situation like that. And so... There is no point in an ultra marathon, in my opinion, now as a mature person, <laughs> to do permanent damage. And I've done permanent damage to my body. Yeah, and yeah. I'm paying the price of not pulling out when I should have pulled out of races. And so I really commend you with like, you know, it's not about being lazy. It's not about giving yourself excuses to pull out. It's about really when it's time to pull out. Um, and I tell a story from a friend of mine, Mecca, who. Um, he and I were in the New Zealand team together and we were doing 24-hour racing and we were over in England and we'd worked so hard, both of us, for eight years to qualify to be in the national team to go to the 24-hour champs and stuff. Awesome. And the Commonwealth champs. And we were over in England and we are racing and two hours into the run, his leg broke. Like, he oh. had a breast fracture and it broke. And he was trying to run with a broken leg. You know, because yeah. this is how strong your mindset can get to to a point where you can nearly, like... Um, and he actually had to be dragged off, like kicking and screaming. He was not yeah, yeah. taken off. <laughs> and we had to really calm him down. And he was so bitterly disappointed. And um, he went back the next five years and, and knocked it out of the ballpark. And at the age, I think he was 55 when he did his best time ever of 217 Ks in 24 hours. Oh, wow. He came back, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, uh, he was he was going to be running and doing real Massive damage, you know, you shouldn't be trying yeah, to yeah. break a leg. Um, and so the moral of the story is, yeah, remember that this is a sport and that we don't have to, this is not our life on the line and we shouldn't be pushing that degree. Now, when you did do this and you worked through this in your mind and you kept yourself positive, so a lot of people lose their confidence and then they're down on themselves and then everything starts to spiral downwards. Um, yeah. and, and, of course, you've... you've absolutely knackered your body like you've used up all the reserves because you've just run 72 miles yeah um, <laughs> so you're emotionally in a in a, in a whirlwind anyway because your body's knackered and with you i just didn't see any of that i've never not seen that i've usually seen people go down and really depressed and then it might take two weeks or it might take a year for people to sort of come back out of that and you like right i remember saying to you it was the next week or something you were like Right, got to find another race. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> find, uh, what's up? And I'm going, whoa, 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 whoa. Just let your body cover first. And, 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 and so on. And you're like, no, nah, I'm right. I haven't done my thing. I want, I want another one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, you did some other races. But then uh, just it was last weekend or was the weekend before? Two weeks ago. Uh, yeah, two, two weeks ago. It seems like months ago <laughs> by now. <laughs> you, so you spoke to us and said, right, I'm going to do a 30-hour race, and I want to hit the 100-mile mark. Yeah, yeah. Because you wanted that 100-miler. And this is so this was a course that went round and round. So you, you pick up the story there, Vin. Yeah, so this was exciting. So I was excited for this one. It was, again, local. This was in New Hampshire, and they call it the hamster wheel 
race and the race directors were awesome and i was looking at different ones to pick out and i you know to your point importantly i did take my much needed rest days i took almost like that month off yep and i think i have the mindset after the vermont i made sure i signed up for another race but i made sure i took those rest days and caught up with friends and family and enjoyed social time and just enjoyed you know going to the movies and i think that really helps you rebound too from yep. what i went through in vermont at least for me because uh, it gives you something else to look forward to and then i also knew i was like okay i don't need to go out and crush it this week because i i know i'm resting because i have this other big challenge coming up um but I was excited about New Hampshire because it was a much more runnable course than Vermont's, you know, obviously a lot yeah. of hills. And I, I do not like power hiking, Lisa. I am like the worst <laughs> power hiker, which I've been trying to work on as an We've been working runner. on that, but we yeah. <laughs> So I was like, yes, I'm going to go. And the weather temperature was totally the opposite of Vermont. So uh, that was exciting. I went out this race, felt feeling really good all day. I was probably like, leading the race up until about mile 70 and thanks to your great advice coach you said you know careful the cold weather can just suck the life out of you yeah, it and it. man did it ever especially the new hampshire cold and but again going back to my mindset people were like oh my gosh it's so cold and this one had a very high dropout rate because of the cold but instead of focusing on how cold it was i was just running and i had just got like a a new cheap jacket and some new gear from Amazon Essentials. <laughs> and instead of focusing on how cold it was, I was just like, oh man, this gear is great. I'm so glad, you know. You're <laughs> to get a ton of gear and have everything yeah. Eh, on. Yeah, I was like, I got to send that Jeff Bezos a thank you note because this stuff is keeping me warm, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it was really picking out those, those things. And, you know, I went through the first 50 miles way too quick i think i went through in about but i felt good i went through in about 840 pace wow and i had some friends yelling at me like slow down slow down and i was teasing them i go you're not the boss of me like let me run my race <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough my second half of the race was much slower but i just told myself nope just keep going it doesn't matter how fast you go and I remember when it got night and my body tightened up really bad yeah, and real bad. I really started to slow down. And I always say, like, I I have a quote from, it's from you, from one of your podcasts. And I, I remember telling myself, hey, it's okay to be the tractor and not the Ferrari. Like, <laughs> as, as long as I'm just moving forward one step at a time. And uh, that definitely got me through the nighttime at that race. And then once the sun came back up, it was, you know, it almost like gives you a second life and you have a little breakfast snack it or does. something, but pushing you know, through that night. A lot of little, there's, a, there's a couple of uh, points I wanted to bring out there. So you pet, you're, you're still new to the ultra running game or newish. Um, so pacing um, is, is still something that you're learning and it's, yeah, yeah. it's really hard to know. Like when you're feeling really great and you've done 50 miles and you're still feeling great, but your pace is actually, you know, is too high, then you are going to pay the price. And you can't imagine it and feel that until you've done maybe half a dozen races. And then you go, yeah. one minute, I know, <laughs> I know what's coming at mile 80. So I'm going to really take it conservatively. And of course, your tendency at the beginning, and I still did this for ages too, uh, is to want to, well, I'll just get as much behind me as I possibly can, as fast yeah. as I can. <laughs> and then if the wheels fall off, then I'll 
but you're actually causing the wheels to fall off, you know? Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's a, and it's a really fine balancing it because even just naturally over the day, you start to lose energy like we all do just in daily life. So you, your thoughts are get the most done as fast as possible in the first six hours when it's more about the consistency and the planning of the, of the speed that you're going at. And then when it comes to cold, absolutely cold, I reckon cold is way harder than heat to deal with for me personally, at least. I think it is for me too. Yeah. Yeah. Cold just takes your will to live because it just, I'll take the suntan. (laughs) It just sucks you dry and makes you want to stop just moving and you just want to go to sleep. Um, and that's, that's something that's really, really hard. So we had another couple of athletes doing um, a 24-hour race here around one of the lakes here, and it was freezing cold, not quite as cold as you, but it was cold. And when you've been tr- running all day, you have no glycogen left in your body, and basically you're living on fat, fuel, and um, protein, hopefully not breaking down too much muscle of your own muscle, but usually you are. And so you've got no glycogen to actually heat the body, um, yeah. All your reserves are gone. So even when uh, it's hot, you can be freezing and shaking. So when it's really cold, you can be very hypothermic very, very quickly. And then that sets the world to live. So, so what happened then? You got through the night and then the, the sun, when the sunrise comes up, isn't it like a new re, reborn? Oh, yeah. And, and I kept telling myself to the food point, too, Lisa, like what you and Neil have taught me, I just made sure I knew because it was colder, my body was burning more calories. And I could tell I was much hungrier yep. than, you know, you would be in the heat. And I just kept being like, it's okay, just keep snacking, keep snacking, keep eating, you know, follow my nutrition plan. And I had my nutrition plan laid out, but I was also supplementing that with a lot of aid station food and like real food and soups and stuff. Right. Um, and then, uh, I remember the last loop before the sun came up and I was almost falling asleep, like, yeah, <laughs> like running, falling over. And, and I just remember going, Nope, just keep going. And my family had gone home and gone to the, the uh, hotel. And I, I remember just telling myself, Nope, you're here to do work. Just keep going. And once the daylight comes and they'll be back in the afternoon and you get to see them. So it's like, I just told myself, keep going. doesn't matter how fast, keep eating and one foot in front of the other. And that really got me through. And then I just kept being like thankful for <laughs> packing the proper gear in the cold because I was like, oh man, this is, <laughs> as people, some people are running by me in, in like singlets and I'm like, how are you wearing a singlet right now? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you it was. You made it, didn't you? you? You got to the 100 mile. Yeah, and I was on pace most of the day for like, you know, at least 120 miles. And I made it to the 100-mile mark, and I still had time left, and the race director said, hey, Vin, you got to keep going. And I felt good up until I got kind of like a second wind at mile 88 and was running strong again. And uh, But then around mile 96 was a struggle. I think just mentally I knew I was hitting my 100-mile goal because goal, I had one loop to go, and I knew it was going to happen. And even if I crawled to the, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the next four miles. So uh, once I got to that hundred mile mark, I was like, no, I'm, I'm happy with that. Cause that was, you know, that was the main that goal. Was the goal. That was yeah. the goal. And, and this is an interesting point. Whatever you put in your head as your goal, you will stop at that. So yep. even if you like, you could have carried on because you had time to carry on and to go over, but in your mind, you had actually set a, a set limit of a hundred. 
And even though, like you said, talked about possibly going on and doing maybe 110 or something like that, when you have that backup goal, that becomes yeah. your baseline. So you have to be really, really careful about what you do as your as your fixed goal, because yeah. that will be where you get to, and not a penny more, sort of thing. And you're right, Lisa. It absolutely was my baseline goal was that 100 mile. And my big, I always try and set a big scary goal too. So yeah. my big scary goal was like, you know, 120 miles. But then I, my baseline was that 100 miles. But if I, if I had a baseline of 100K, I would have stopped at 100K absolutely because it was so cold and you're just like, but I told myself, nope, I would, I'm here to do this and just keep uh -huh. it going. Yep. And I'm I'm getting that 100 miles done. And uh, and, and obviously, I didn't have any serious health things like in Vermont. Yeah, yeah. So I was able to continue and I felt good. And obviously, at points, you feel – you got to expect you're going to feel like crap at multiple yeah. points in the race. And not like a serious injury like your friend that broke his leg. But just knowing that you're like, oh, wow, I'm out of energy. I feel like crap. And once you – I kind of expect it. I can recognize it internalize it and then realize that it's going to get better yeah you know and that's really important for me because then when it does happen i tell myself like for mile 70 to like 88 was when i say a struggle bus lisa it was like a complete <laughs> but i told myself i was like yeah i came to run this race until the wheels fell off and i was there to you know i'd been training all year as you know and I, I was like, yep, I expected the wheels to fall off, so I expected this, so just keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You had prepared yourself so well, and you'd set this next goal, this 100-mile, was you wanted to join the 100-miler club, and I have to congratulate you because, you know, after, oh, thanks, Lisa. after that, that, that problem at Vermont that you experienced, it would be very easy to go, well, I'm not going to do anything for the next 18 months. Yeah, <laughs> uh, lick, lick my wounds, and I'm I maybe never come back again because I failed, and and all of these sort of things that go through people's minds, and they're all legitimate. But the thing is, you had the resilience to get back up and just just what was it? I don't know. Eight weeks later, go and do another one. Um, was probably a little bit short for my liking, you know, as a turnaround time, and I would, you know, yeah, but yeah, you was... were ready. You were ready for it. Um, and and I think you you illustrate so many. Uh, points that are so important and that's resilience that's whatever you set your goal out to be that's what it becomes usually. yes absolutely um you learn a lot about pacing you learn in the first race in vermont you learned a lot about you know the shit can happen regardless yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who you are you know and you've got to think like people even like people like dink and have races where they fail at and don't yeah. make it you know Every ultramarathon runner has times when things go pear-shade. I mean, I've definitely had enough of those. Um, and they're never nice because you're heartbroken because you've just spent maybe yeah. a year. You know, I, I was doing a race in the well, – it wasn't even a race. It was expedition in the Himalayas trying to do the world's highest marathon ever recorded, a world record. Wow. <laughs> and I'd spent a year and a half in preparing, and I'm not good at altitude, and I'm not good in the cold. It's not my forte. I'm better in deserts. But I was with a guy who was a mountaineer and – done Everest and, and stuff and we were on, on track and I get up there and after a year and a half of preparation you know over $50,000 of money raised uh, film crews the Prime Minister on our freaking documentary you know like every yeah. it was really big deal and I get altitude sickness and I couldn't even start you uh. know 
like the heartbreak and the disappointment and this was getting towards the end of my career anyway and it was just like freaking hell you know and that really yeah. knocked the crap out of me but I had a, a a couple of really good friends my husband Hazley who just were there to pick up the pieces and it's really important that you have those people that that, that can come on come on you you got this we got you we got you because it, sure, it can yeah. really blow you to pieces. When you set big, hairy goals and then you fail at them, what I want you to understand is it hurts, but you are someone who's pushing the limits. You're an ambitious person that's reaching for the stars and you cannot control all the variables. Absolutely. It's still by pear shape. So, Vin, I think any, I, I just want you to wrap up. We've got to wrap up now. We've got a meeting coming up. We're going to get to our technical stuff. Yeah. After. <laughs> um, so we're going to get on to that. But Vin, I just want to leave the last word to you. Tell us what you want to get across to people listening to this who are doing their first 5K, who, who are just starting out on running who or who are aiming for an ultra marathon. Tell us what you want to get across. Yeah, I want to – and it, this leads right to your – point that you just brought up Lisa too that these things happen and everything happens for a reason and you're much more capable than you think you are so you might be thinking right now and it's all all those failures and those successes I think all provide a great frame of reference so someone right now might be training for their first 5k and say oh man I'm struggling to break 32 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever their time goal might be but then they might look back a year from now and be like, wow, I, now I'm running 25 minutes with ease and remember when, you know, I, I was really struggling. So it's all frame of reference. So even those, those struggles that you go through, and they really help you become a better person to kind of get the job done that you need to be to be able to, you know, not just run these races and push the limits, but it's really a metaphor for life, right? Yeah. And I think I've learned so much from that. And at the time, it might seem disappointing or it might seem difficult, but then when you look back and you're like, wow, look at the person I've become now because I've challenged myself and I've gone through those successes and pushed my limits to hit those goals, and I might have hit a lot of them and I might have failed at some of them, but when you look back a year from now or even longer, it becomes like, wow, those helped make me the person that I am today. Yeah. And I can certainly say that for myself from – my running career, you know, my business career, going through like my broken back, I probably never would have find, found ultra running. I wouldn't have been introduced to you, you know, so everything really happens for a reason to the development of who you are as a person. And if you look at it that way, I think you you can be totally unstoppable with whatever you set your mind to, right? And so. you are definitely unstoppable than Premier Oh, thanks, Coach. You are too. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely relentlessly positive. You're a real poster boy for um, the personal development side of things and that if you work really hard on your mindset, you can change your own personality and you can become a stronger, better, more positive, happier person. You've certainly shown me a thing or two over the last year because, you know, like with our business side of things, um, you know, Vin really has changed our whole dynamic in our company. Um, because he brings a, a, a super amount of technical knowledge to the whole to the whole business, um, which we've desperately needed. But he also brings when things don't go wrong. Because by the same token, as things go wrong in ultra marathon running, things go wrong in business. And when we, you know yeah, we've yeah. been you know months preparing for a launch or months doing all of this sort of you know technical stuff, and then 
crickets nobody comes yeah. you know <laughs> and we're like and we're wanting to give up and Vin's like well no we'll just try this other thing and we'll go down this track and we'll learn you know he's relentlessly positive in every aspect of his life and that has been so valuable to us in our company um and and, and as an athlete it just really shows what you can achieve when you have this incredible mindset. So, Vin, it's awesome having you on the team. Thank you for oh. sharing your, your story today with, with everyone from Running Hot. Um, any last oh, thanks, words, Lisa. Yeah. Any last words, mate, before we get on to the, to the actual work today? No, I think, you know, just what we said, I, I would encourage everyone to really listen to what Lisa and Neil put out. And, um, you know, I'm constantly learning from you weekly, Lisa, so I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, just keep pushing forward, team, and take those wins and take those, you know, those use those losses too as growth opportunities. Amen. That's a good place to stop. Thank you yeah. very much, Vin. If you want to reach out to Vin, uh, where can they find you on Instagram and Facebook and all that good stuff? Yeah, you can find me at Vin Framulero. So my first name, V-I-N, and then last name, F-R-A-M-U-L-A-R-O. I'm on Facebook, Instagram. You can even email me, vin at framulero.com or uh, even reach out through the Running Hot page and through Lisa yep. and Neil. And, uh, yeah. We'll put all the put things in, in the show notes. Because uh, Vin, if anybody needs help with uh, anything technical on computers as far as things like sales funnels and click funnels and uh, or pr pretty much everything technical, um, <laughs> I don't really like to share you because you're too, go you're too good. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> uh, If anyone wants help, um, he's your man. So thanks very Excellent. much, Vin, and we'll get on to our work now. Excellent. Thanks, team. Have a great day. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review, and share with your friends. And head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com.